0: Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. This week's guest is none other than Danica Patrick. From sports to lifestyle to business, Danica Patrick is admired by millions as a trailblazer and especially as a role model for young women aiming to pursue their own passions, As an IndyCar, the NASCAR driver, she broke barriers as a fierce competitor in the male-dominated world of motorsports before retiring in 2018. Equally recognized as a businesswoman and pop culture icon, Danica has landed on numerous favorite female athlete and most powerful women lists, including Time's 100 Most Influential People. As a serial entrepreneur, she's launched successful ventures from apparel to wine, including Danica Rosé. From her racing days to the present, Danica remains a popular personality who has appeared in a record-setting 14 Super Bowl commercials and has lent her voice to video games and cartoons, including The Simpsons and South Park. She continues to prove her multimedia appeal as a television sports analyst and commentator, author of the self-help book Pretty Intense, and host of her weekly Pretty Intense podcast Interviewing Athletes celebrities, health experts, and others. In this episode, Danica and I dive right into all things health before we even got recording, so you'll tune in to the middle of our conversation when I finally hit record. In the episode, she shares all about her recent breast implant removal surgery and the two-year journey she went on to try to uncover why she was experiencing various health issues, Danica shares her top 5 health tips to feel her best that she's learned from the top experts in the field, advice for working through unknown health issues like listening to your intuition and not settling for answers. Of course, we also talk about her physical and mental health journey while riding Indy and NASCAR and her seize the day mentality. I had so much fun chatting with Danica. She is such an inspiration and truly it was such an honor to be able to interview her. Keep listening to learn more. I'm so excited to share with you our newest product line, Purely Elizabeth Superfood Cereal with Vitamin D. We just launched two insanely delicious varieties exclusive at Whole Foods Market, vanilla blueberry almond and honey peanut butter. Our new cereals are unlike anything in the market. Each box is full of the good stuff. Deliciously crispy oat and ancient grain flakes and crunchy superfood clusters with organic oats, quinoa, and chia intentionally crafted with whole food ingredients to deliver both taste and nutrition. Our cereals are made with organic, plant-based vitamin D3 to provide an excellent source of vitamin D in every serving. They're sweetened with sustainably sourced coconut sugar and provide five grams of protein and an excellent source of fiber in every serving to start your day off right. Plus, they're certified gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Trust me, this is going to be your new favorite breakfast or late night snack that tastes absolutely delicious in milk and actually stays crunchy. The mix of flavors and textures leave you feeling satisfied and full. So head on over to your local Whole Foods market and stock up on our new superfood cereals. You'll thank me later. Enjoy. So
1: I just got levels and I tested. I'm a huge goat cheese lover. So I had goat cheese like before my meal and I had and then I also took a walk around the block. So I did like the 10 minute walk, but I had zero blood sugar increase. And it was something that had I not had the goat cheese or the walk, I don't know which it was.
2: But well, I mean, goat cheese should not, I mean, everybody's different for sure, but goat cheese being like naturally just a fat like that, I would not expect to spike your blood sugar. And then also with the walk, the walks of, I mean, I, I wore a levels blood glucose, continuous blood glucose monitor last summer, and I wore it for a few weeks. What, isn't it like two weeks at a time? Two weeks. Yeah. So I did it twice. So I did it wore it for a month And man, I think everybody should do it. It's so interesting because like I found out, let's say popcorn, chips, rice, those things didn't really do anything, didn't do much to my blood sugar, but uh, sweet potato, through the moon. Oats, through the moon. So those kinds of things, and even just simple things like certain vegetables or like balsamic vinegar, things like that can have a pretty big impact, even though you think it does nothing. So I think it's a great thing to do, but the walk, man, that totally blunts the blood sugar response. I mean, as soon as you start walking, it stops your blood sugar where it's at.
1: It's incredible. That is a real biohack
2: that is easy for everybody to do. I did a sort of recap episode on my podcast at the end of the year with a few of like tips, like health tips from the year because I did a lot of shit last year. Can I say that? Yeah. Um, And so what I said about what I learned from the blood glucose monitor was that if you eat fat, fat and protein first, always have fat in a meal. And if you eat your fat and protein first in your meal and then walk after, you actually don't even need to change anything at all. You'll already impact your blood sugar by, I don't know, at least 50%.
1: That's incredible. It's so interesting. How long have you had it on? It's been day five. So I'm just at the beginning stages of it. Cool. Are you hypoglycemic? No, just wanted to learn and experiment and do all those fun things. So mm-hmm. it's been super interesting. And I think the working out and increasing it so much had me worried at first, but I think understanding that that's part of what happens when you work out in a strenuous activity? so not to be alarmed by that?
2: It does. It's a um, every workout, well, and ent- I don't know if it's tr- what they call it, but it might be called a hermetic stress, um, which hermetic stresses are are actually okay on the, are good for the body. But but yeah, it definitely spikes your blood sugar because it kind of liberates the sugar from the muscle and gets into the bloodstream and spikes your insulin or spikes your blood sugar, which then will bring in insulin. It's quite complicated, actually. Yeah. It took me a long time in my head to like understand how all this stuff works. But um, have you always been super into like I mean, obviously, like your granola is just next level. Have you, like, was that just a byproduct of being super curious about health and wellness or was it a necessity in some way? So my origin story was that I started doing marathons
1: and triathlons and just got into this whole world. I was always like relatively a health eater, but that extreme part of it set me on a path, I think, to start exploring health and wellness in a different way. And then I went back to school to integrative nutrition um, and did their holistic nutrition program back in 2007. And so it was really through that, that I thought, well, you know, what was on the market? Was it great that I could suggest for clients? And I thought it would be a side project and then
2: side project, side hustle turned into real hustle. And that was it. Love that. I love that. I think that that's, I mean, that's like. I think that's the way it can go if you're, you know, people get overwhelmed that they're like, I don't like my job or like, how am I going to translate? It's like, you don't have to actually like abandon ship. You can actually just like incrementally get more and more into what you want. And eventually it slides over and takes over a dominance of your time and your energy and perhaps your cash flow. And then you go, okay, this all right. is it. you have to jump in now, you know, it's like much, it's the shallow end, not the deep end. um so yeah but it's uh that's really cool
1: yeah so this podcast is all about you today (laughs) and really we we dove right in but um the mission with the podcast and purely elizabeth is helping our community thrive on their wellness journey and i know that you've certainly had a, a big wellness journey throughout your life definitely as you touched on over the last couple of years and some really recent discoveries which we'll get into but I'd love to hear your origin, health and wellness story. And as an athlete, was that always part you know, of your life? Or at what point did that become come into play for you?
2: Yeah, well, thank you. And thanks for having me. I'm, I uh, always love talking about this stuff. I can ramble on about things forever. I was just at a photo shoot today and I was explaining certain things about fasting windows and what it does to the body and what sort of mechanisms get engaged based on the length of it. And I got done rambling on about them. And um, these girls were the girls were like, oh, my God, they're like, how do you remember all this stuff? And I'm like, well, number one, I'm passionate. Number two, I listen to it over and over again. So, yeah. you know, it takes a lot of repetition to really like get sink things in and sink in. Exactly. I would say that, you know, being an athlete racing, it's it might not look physical, but there's a lot of endurance in, in you know, encapsulated within it. And. There's a lot of mental energy, which is a, another taxer. So the, so the whole body gets kind of taxed. It's by no means like peak strength, like other other sports and things of that, like nature with football or, you know, even sprinting and basketball da- or soccer or something like that. But it definitely is physical. So I wor- I started working out when I was like 14. And, and you um, started racing when you were 10? Is that right? 10. That's right. Yep. I started when I was 10. So I started actually like working out when I was 14 and then because the races were getting longer and harder and the tires and go-karting at that point started getting really soft, which means they stick to the track really hard and it makes turning the wheel harder. And then I lived, moved to England when I was 16 and lived there. And I would say that I, the, probably the next phase of my you know, health journey had to do with wanting to look better and just kind of getting older and into that those teenage years, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old and yes, doing it for racing, but also, you know, the looks part of it. And, you know, at that point in time, then, you know, you start drinking and doing all kinds of things that then increase your weight. And so I I started learning how to cook and working out a little bit more. And really, I think next level is when you learn how to cook. And I think that's Really, honestly, the most important thing anyone can learn how to do for their health, be it, even more than working out, because uh, you can't outrun the bad diet and abs are made in the kitchen. So, understanding how things are made, because it creates such an education for when you go out into the world and into restaurants and you know what words mean, you know what fried versus grilled and sauteed, and you know what all the words mean. And you also know based on when the food comes out how they have actually prepared it because you know how it's done at home and you're like, wait, that's (laughs) not grilled. That was definitely, you know, that was sauteed or that was, it's covered in oil or fat. They dumped something on it, you know, they've something. So you have a much better indication for your, your food in a restaurant when you know how to cook, it's a good education. So, and also just cooking at home is, is just better for you than eating out because you know, you, when you're at home, you can, take care of the quality of the food that you're, getting through, you know, sourcing and organic and very farmers markets or farms and things like that to get really, really high quality food. But then on top of it, of course, you control how it's cooked with the oils and what kind of oils. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not saying fat's bad. I'm not saying salt's bad. I'm not saying any stuff bad, but you know, when they use seed oils and, and poor oils to cook meats and then they dump just regular table salt on things, just things like that, like those aren't going to help your health. So, uh, Uh, But you'd be surprised, I think, how many even like healthy places are using bad oils. Well, it's expensive. Look how expensive it is to buy a bottle of olive oil. And, you know, I mean, that's so when you're looking at margins in a restaurant, you're looking at making them bigger so that you make more money. If you ever wonder why something doesn't operate right, just start following the money and you'll probably get your answer. Absolutely. Um, so so yeah, so I mean I, I learned how to cook and then I mean that kind of sustained me. And then when I started driving Indy cars, which wasn't too long after, I mean you really have to be strong. Indy cars did not have power steering and I started when I was 23. So Indy cars did not have power steering. Um, they're very physical so definitely had to have a lot of strength for that. Yeah and then I'd say the health stuff has always just been an evolution. Always been curious ever since I started cooking and um, you know working out and eating well kind of go hand in hand at least for me. And, and so I'm always looking for that next thing. What's the next thing. And I was laughing with my mom this morning about just, you know, health trends or like the things that seem like the most healthy right now. And I'm like, I'm sure we'll look at what we're eating right now in five to 10 years and just go, I can't believe we did that. (laughs) Just like we look back five to 10 years back now and we go, I can't believe we did that. And that's just, I don't think that'll ever end because there's always more information coming out. We're obviously connected with the world in a bigger, better way. We, we now know about other ancient sort of grains or about, um, you know, adaptogens and things like that, that are from more of like Chinese herbs and um, mushroom blends and things like that that can really increase our our health from a hormonal and chi standpoint. So there's always something coming. Like, what's the next thing, actually? That's a good question for you. Is there a, is I always, my joke is, you know, chia seeds, the new flax seed, and someday there'll be a new chia seed. You know, there's just always like something that comes along that's like a little bit more cool and interesting totally. uh, than the next one. So what is it?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I, just think that there's so much still that we're obviously uncovering about the gut microbiome that I think it's going to be something related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't certainly think prebiotics aren't a new thing, but I see that becoming that much more important as far as what's going into products
2: and kind of that fiber 2.0 resurgence. I just put some prebiotic in my coffee. I had a little coffee cuz I, I I uh it's an afternoon coffee. I don't always do it, but I put a little bit of raw raw butter and some, a little bit of MCT oil and prebiotics and some Ceylon cinnamon and uh, had yeah. a little, yeah. had a little hit and that was pretty good. But, um, but prebiotics, I think you're right. Do you, how do you get your prebiotics? Is it normally from a powder kind of form or do you focus on the foods and how to get prebiotics from foods?
1: So, I mean, my point of view, we, We just added actually prebiotic to some of our oatmeals. But I think in general, I always think about it as eating that wide variety. Like we're so used to just having a couple of vegetables in our diet or, you know, just brown rice. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm personally trying to have a wide variety and like challenge myself every time that I go to the supermarket to get something new and different and
2: challenge myself in the kitchen. But it's hard. Yeah, yeah, I can be because you have your favorites and stuff. And it's so easy to stick to what you know. It is. And like, there's a certain level also of satisfaction with getting the thing that you like the most. You know, it's like where you eat something, if you kind of don't like it, you're like, eh. And then you kind of have a little bit of what you like at the end, maybe sometimes. I, I try, I've been kind of learning more about prebiotics myself. Like, jicama, I think is good. I'm thinking art, I think artichoke artichokes carton. are really good. Yeah. Um, leeks is another one that's really helpful. So, between like jicama, leeks, artichoke, I try and that's how I try and like get some prebiotics in my my world.
1: Nice. So what about from a mental standpoint, how has that played or shifted over the years as far as, you know, so much as you said at the beginning of the racing, when you started is might not have been so physical, but it's that mental taxing. and and curious to hear kind of any practice that you had or what that looks like for you today.
2: Mm, Yeah, that's a great question. I feel So I know that uh, the mind, I know how powerful the mind is, very, very powerful. And I believe that's also, I believe that what I have in me is what kind of was given, was able to give me the career that I had because I'm very strong mentally mentally. But even just something simple, uh, like in my racing career, knowing how powerful through just some yoga and things like that, that I would do very regularly when I was younger, not necessarily meditation, I'm not saying that, but just deep breaths. And so I would use that on track sometimes just like like just a deep breath through the nose, out through the mouth, just like to to relax a little bit. I think that was helpful. Just understanding how tensing things up can really like exhaust your energy. When I moved from IndyCar to NASCAR, IndyCar was a shorter season. It wasn't as many races. And so it was like, you could have a bad weekend and you know, have two weeks to get over it. Where in NASCAR, you had to race every weekend and oh. there's more attention there. So, um, I mean, NASCAR is basically 40 weeks straight and it's other safe. than one or two uh, weekends. So basically 40 weeks straight. And so, you know, I let the I let a bad weekend kind of sit too long and then it'd roll into the next one. And if that was bad, then it's just like this spiral. And so I learned pretty quickly when I was, went full-time NASCAR that, you have to learn how to let things go and you have to, be stronger mentally in, 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 your ability to stay positive and get over things. If you're going to have an opportunity to have a better weekend and also just keep your, um, keep morale up and also, uh, look good in the media and look good. and walking around pit lane and in the garage area because it's very easy for that mood and emotion to be written all over your face and your energy. And people can feel that.
1: So that's a great point. Like, What tips can you share for people as far as that's really hard? I mean, how do you go and get through those really tough moments where it may seem like oh, this is the end of the world for mm-hmm. what someone's career or anything in their life? Mm-hmm. What were some of those tips that really helped you to, to,
2: to put on that better face and stay more positive? You got to know the downside, right? So sometimes when you just know the punishment or the penalty for it is, um, is one of them. Like one time I was uh, racing at Phoenix, it was maybe the second or third race of the season. And I'd had a bad week in the weekend before, and that one wasn't so good. And I just like blew off the media. And I was, uh, <laughs> and I was at the home race for GoDaddy, my sponsor, like, cause they're based in Phoenix. And it was just kind of a reminder of like, you can't be a dick. You know, you got people watching everywhere and you have, it's bigger than you. It's not just, it's not about you and how you're feeling that very day. You have, there's, there's more involved than just your feelings. So that was kind of like an example of the penalty of perhaps making your sponsor mad and then what happens. So, so that was part of it. And then also I think life is just really about perception. And so when you just make a decision to say, I don't let this thing get, I don't let this get to me past Monday. Period. Like, that's just it. You just make a decision. Um, Like, loving, I love when you see that quote that's like, you're one decision away from an entirely different life. I mean, that's that's just an example. It's true, too. And so, you know, you're just one decision away. Now, I did interview someone fascinating, Vanessa Van Edwards. I don't know if you know who she is. She's written a couple of books. She's basically studies. Human interactions and micro expressions and patterns of people. So she explained to me what because she she also looks into human characteristics and personality traits to someone. Um, there's like five or six main ones in psychology, and so one of them is neuroticism. And essentially, when you worry about something a lot, you're highly neurotic and. I actually tend to be very low neurotic. I don't really worry, but I can't imagine if I did. I <laughs> a out of control. But the interesting thing is, is like learning from her that neurotic sounds like such a mean word, but all it means is that you worry about something and you believe that your investment of worrying about it, you believe that worrying about is an investment into the situation. So if you didn't worry, you wouldn't be as prepared. Mm. And so- trusting that everything's going to be okay and that you're worrying is not going to help the situation. You worrying is not going to solve the problem. And, and that the problem is, is that someone that's neurotic and someone that worries about stuff a lot and spirals on something believes that they are making a wise investment of their energy. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So just getting over the fact that you, your investment of time of worry is really just the perception. Interesting. (laughs) I like that one.
1: So as you were saying, you know, you have the personality of someone who is very interested, always striving for better. Curious to hear if you think that that is something you're born with or something that you think can be changed as we get older. And, you know, was that your mindset, you know, when you were 10? versus
2: today. Yeah, I've always felt like a really driven, highly motivated person, focused, high achiever, just wanting to excel and be great at everything, competitive, type A in charge. But I do believe that all characteristics and traits can be cultivated to a degree. And so, uh, I mean, Carol Dweck, who wrote Mindset, does a great job of explaining that in that book quite simply for every category of life, whether you're a boss or an employee or a parent or partner, whatever it is, it explains it from that perspective. And, you know, when you have a growth mindset, you're oriented with the process as opposed to the result. And people with fixed mindset, you know, I think in the book, they go into uh, showing like someone that can't draw, and then they went through a one day drawing class, and then they showed what they could do after that and it's significantly better and so it's like you can't say that you don't learn you can't learn right. something it's uh you might not be good right off the bat shoot i was terrible at racing i couldn't even keep up on the parade lap. so um so i i i, I everyone starts off pretty poorly at stuff other than these anomalies of prodigies but most people have to learn it
1: so when you talk about that growth mindset And as you think about kind of the journey versus destination, I'd love to hear what your thoughts or tips are that you can share for people on being in that mindset. As you think about like preparing or winning the 2008 Indie, and that was, you could Mm say a pinnacle thing, but was it, or was it really like, this is part of the journey? And as you know, people in their career, how do you think about just that time in the journey versus being focused on the singular moment that we pretty much know that one moment in time, isn't going to be that overall happiness in our life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, it's through experience. I think I, I feel like so much stuff in life is experiential and firsthand learning, or at least being in life long enough to, to know that, you know, you have these goals and then when you achieve it, it's, you can look at it and go, that just wasn't it, right? Like it's, it's there and gone in a second. And it's really the journey and the process on the way there that takes the time. And so, you know, to not be miserable during that time, because that is the vast majority of what you're doing in life. And so, yeah, enjoy the journey. I mean, it's really, I mean, that's really the fun part in the end. I mean, that's where you actually, have an epiphany or you actually like step forward and level up in some way in your job, whatever it is that you do and you achieve new great levels and things. And so that, yeah, that's the fun part. The joy truly is in the journey and um, the accomplishments are icing on the cake. But in fact, in my mind, almost the accomplishments at times almost feel anticlimactic, you know, because you build them up so much in your head that they happen. And They just happen, and at that point in time, you're really expecting it to happen because you've been working your butt off, right? So, I I I feel like that's it's just kind of the perception around how you know how life goes, and and then being able to reflect personally on your own life at those moments where you achieved something that you really wanted to achieve. How did it feel? Did it feel? As good as you thought it would? Did it last very long? Did you did you revel in it for months, or was it on to the next thing? And uh, the truth of it is, at least in my situation, you know, you're on to the next thing. It comes and goes. You. You might even like, you know, even in some aspects with my career and things that I accomplished, it's like I could almost look at the thing I accomplished and go, well, but I kind of got handed this or I kind of got lucky here. Like I'm almost dismissing this great accomplishment that I had sought so hard for. Yeah, it's uh, life is just this very interesting ride of varying perceptions and experiences. Yeah,
1: I, I totally agree. I think, you know, for, for me, like getting to certain milestones and the company was always like, okay, till we get to this number and that number, and then you get there. And it's like, it's a fleeting second. And, but it's easy, it's easy to get caught in that. And I think just the reminder and hearing people to reinforce that story of like, it is the journey. It's so easy just to get caught
2: in that. No, it's the, this goal that I'm trying
1: to get, so.
2: And like when you just think about what truly makes you feel happy and successful and looking at what real success is, monetary goals are fine. I have them too, or certain achievements, but nobody's saying on their deathbed, like made a hundred million dollars. Like it was, they're like, I met these people along the way. They changed my life. I changed it. I was able to help others. Like that's the like jam packed journey part where you can affect other people's lives and you can meet amazing people along the way, make great friends, create relationships. Like it, sends your journey off in a new direction because of the, of of that kind of stuff. So it's like the journey is packed with potential and the accomplishment is merely just the flash, uh, flash that happens at the end. Totally. Well, let's switch gears in your journey and how
1: that has changed over the last two years. And I would love to dive in more into specifically your health stuff that you've been going on really? uh, over the last two years, and then just going through your surgery two months ago and all of that. So
2: wherever you want to begin on that story. Totally. I, uh, I mean, again, we've talked about how interested in health and wellness I am. And um, it was really, and this is going to allow me an opportunity to ask by your night, is that a cartouche on your neck? Nah? What's a cartouche? Oh, then not. Oh, that, the top one. Oh, it totally looks like a cartouche. It's like uh you get them in Egypt. Um, they're like how you can sort of name plates, you know. Oh no. Anyway. I think it's like sort a of feather, maybe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, cool. Anyway, so it was the beginning of 2021 and I went to Egypt and Oh, I I, it was a sign. Yeah. And uh maybe you should go to Egypt. Yeah. Um right. So I I went to Egypt and my cycle had become a little irregular, a little delayed, and then I like missed some, and I was like, shoot, this is bad. This is why you go to the doctor. Okay, fine. So I went and saw my OB and had my hormones checked, and you know, first thing you know came back was like a couple of oddball, a couple of things, but he was like, your thyroid's low. I'm like, oh my god, this will explain everything. Um, this will be great. Like. You know, this is going to make me lose weight and have energy and all kinds of things are going to just get right with me. And um, And what were you feeling at that time other than not being a cycle? I mean, I, I, I mean, now in hindsight, when I look back, I can say I can see how. My hair was becoming like thinner and shorter. I was continuously gaining weight. My face was not the same shape. It was so much rounder. My lymph nodes in my neck would get swollen really easily. I I just generally, I'd have, my energy was always plenty to do everything I needed to do. And I'd will my way through anything. Um, but I didn't have that, you know, ready energy, you know, when it just you kind of like feel like you're bubbling, and you are like, I got to go do something, you know, yeah. I didn't really have that got to go do something feel that often. But I, I, I so I look back and I can see that now. And I'd say that 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 started in like the beginning of 2018. Yeah, also like resistant to weight loss, it didn't matter what I did, I could not eat for a week, I could, you know, be on a cleanse, I could do be working out twice a day, like you name it. And when I say don't eat for a week, I mean like I could be like really restrictive or, you know, doing some kind of cleanse of sorts and nothing had an impact. And so it just seemed like my body was very stubborn and resistant to everything. And so. So then I, I fast forward to when I went and saw the doctor, started taking thyroid medicine. Anyway, things weren't really like he was not the right doctor for it. So he helped me out to find an, um, a functional doctor. And so then I started working with the functional doctor. And then I started taking, you know, 30 some pills a day and just trying to fix things. And I had leaky gut, dysbiosis, uh, heavy metal toxicity, my hormones were all like really, really low, just all kinds of issues. And so I was doing like 90 day gut protocols. I was doing chelate. I started eventually doing chelation. You were all in. I was all, I mean, I tried everything. I tried everything. I eventually tried. I started working with another doctor after that. I started taking peptides. I I mean, I tried everything. Uh, Infrared saunas, you know, binders for the chelation, just you name it, work out less, work out more. It just did not matter. And no medicine really made a difference. So that was kind of the one interesting thing for sure was that the thyroid medicine and I was on, I worked with multiple doctors. I tried multiple different thyroid medicine, multiple different doses, and really nothing helped it get better. And so that was just odd. And- uh, And I'm sure so- difficult for
1: you mentally. So frustrating.
2: I'm like literally on a freaking handbrake of a metabolism situation going on. And then I'm stuck in this conundrum of feeling like, okay, it feels like if I don't do more to try and make up for it, that it's going to get even worse. But if I do more then I tap my adrenal function and my hormones, and now I'm, now I'm hurting me that way. So it was kind of like I was stuck in a rock in a hard place and I didn't know what the hell to do. And so I, 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 I'm I'm not even a hundred percent sure where exactly the implants came in. I got breast implants when I was 32. And so at I, I had them for seven and a half years. And um, I'd say then that the symptoms crept in after a little over three years um, based on the story that I'm telling you for 2018 being the initial phase of where I noticed things. So I don't know exactly where it came in. I've had a couple friends. I know of a very good friend of mine that had hers removed. It wasn't because she felt sick. She just was just not feeling them anymore and, and moving forward without that kind of stuff in her body. And and uh, so I just, I mean, like I was exposed to explants, but I, I, I hadn't really put it all together. And I remember a couple of times I'd asked, like, I remember like even my right shoulder, like I couldn't even put my hand behind my back without like my shoulder hurting so bad. And this was while I was still racing. Wow. And I thought it was sound, maybe it's like an impingement thing from just like doing the same thing over and over again. Like I remember asking body workers, I was, do you think it could be from implants? You know, just something stuck or not moving right. And so i had like had ideas about like, could these things be a, a source? And um, you know, I I just, I just sort of like Kind of like a lot of things happen, I think, just like as epiphanies. And I just kind of was like, I wonder if these are making me sick. And I remember asking my functional doctor last summer. And she was like, I don't know. She's like, probably not. She's like, you know, for some people, yeah, it's an answer, but for some, it's just not. It doesn't do anything. And so she's like, you know, we'll keep trying things. She didn't totally dismiss it, but she was like basically said, no, let's try other things. And then eventually, and and moving forward and with working with another doctor, I had said I was going to do it. He's like, let's try these things first. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, we can do those too, but I'm definitely getting this done. So I got them out at the end of April. And um, luckily, because I push really hard, type A, (laughs) I called about an appointment in March. And the first phone call I made to this doctor's office, which... Ironically, I had actually been to before because one of my implants had become much harder than the other, it's called capsular contracture. And I was worried that it had ruptured from an accident or something like that. So I actually like had an MRI on it. So I had been to this doctor before and in my research, he really came through as the best doctor for implants in the end anyway. And so I was like, well, I've been here before. I'm like, is I'd like to you know, get a consult and, and schedule surgery. They're like, okay, well, and now keep in mind, it's middle of March well, we're currently scheduling consults for June with surgeries in October. And I was Uh like, what? I was like, wow. I was like, well, we better get started. (laughs) And so I had scheduled the appointment and I was like, if there's anything that opens up, let me know. And so then they moved up, they were able to move up the, the date to like the next month for a console. And then all of a sudden there was like a surgery date available in June. And I was like, take it. I've got it. Um, I put a down payment down without a console and I was like doing this. And then she called and was like, actually, we got one for April 27th. Are you, can you do that? And I, I was actually on my 40th birthday yacht trip with oh. nine friends, <laughs> very fabulous. And I was like, totally working away on my phone. I had someone go into the bedroom and take pictures because they needed photos to see, because I didn't have a consult. And the surgery was getting scheduled for like a few weeks oh, later. That's crazy. And so I had like sunburn lines already from that day. <laughs> and I had them take pictures and because I had to travel eight days after surgery, because I was going to do the formula one race in Miami. And so I, I had to travel and um, I was like, am I safe to travel eight days later? And And so after the pictures and stuff, they're like, yeah, it looks like it. And so, so they scheduled me and I went for my consult as soon as I got back from the trip, which, you know, was just like, I mean, two weeks, less than two weeks. It was like 13 days before. You must have been so happy. Oh my God. I was so happy. I was like, I I kept telling him, I was like, I will have the surgery yesterday if you just let get me in as soon as you can. And um, so I went in, I had it done by that evening for the, like that night, I was sitting on the couch when I finally kind of came out of the anesthesia haze. And I remember touching my face and I was like, just, you know, wipe my face. And I was like, oh my God. And I had like natural oils on my face for the first time. And I hadn't felt that in so long. I had just forgotten. I had didn't even realize it was a problem, but um, it started to explain why my, even my scalp was dry for like years. And I, nothing I did helped it, which probably explains why my hair wasn't really growing well anymore. It wasn't getting nourished very well. So, anyway, so um, so that was the first night. Like the my under my eyes was like brighter. I woke up in the morning with tons of energy. I was super, I was pacing the kitchen. We went grocery shopping right away. Like I was just rocking my my drains under my sweatshirt. Felt so good drains came out 48 hours later. I mean, mom and I like shared a bottle of wine that night after the drains came out, I'm sure like surgery and then a bottle of wine two nights later is probably not ideal, but we were celebrating. (laughs) We were playing Monopoly and it was sunny and beautiful in Arizona. And so we were having a great time, but I, and then I'd say about two days after I just, I was sitting in the kitchen the night, the morning after, and I was like the second morning and I was like, mom, And my face was starting to change shape too. Like I was taking pictures just to track things and like, you could see it from my earrings because you couldn't see my earrings very well. And then you started to be able to see them because my face was literally shrinking. And so, and I was like flushing tons of water weight just from inflammation. So inflamed. Yeah. I was. Peeing all the time, getting rid of it. Like, I didn't know what it was. And my sister's like, Oh, yeah, that's inflammation. And I'm like, Holy crap. So, yeah, it just had such a dramatic impact so quickly that I felt like I had to share it. You know, I didn't want anyone to, to know I had them in the first place. And I sure as hell didn't want anyone to be made aware of the things that I was insecure about and trying to hide. Like, I had lost. The hair I used to have, it was not healthy anymore. I didn't want people to know I had gained weight. You know, I just things that you just as a girl, like I'm trying, you're trying to hide, right? Yeah. And so I had to say them because they were part of the story. And uh, it's been really impactful for a lot of people. And I'm super grateful that that share did that.
1: That's incredible. I think it's such a good lesson of like you knew in your gut. And I think so many times with health issues, like, if we listen and tune in a little bit
2: and really pay attention, like you knew that there were signs there. I did. I did. And I was like, there's just that lurking intuition. And I think that as, as human beings, we have really disregarded and demoted our intuition's value and, um, I think that, you know, I don't know if it's a man versus woman, but I do feel women probably have a little bit more. Um, I think it's just innate in us, like women, feminine energy is really like creative, creating energy and, and masculine is very doing energy and, uh, thinking energy. And so I do think women may have an edge on that, but I think of in general, all people could learn to trust their intuition better. And when has it really been wrong? Like, okay. I can't think of a time in my life it's been wrong yet. I don't always listen. And you know, part of that is because it's not always telling you something good. Sometimes yeah. it's telling you something you don't want to hear. You're like, you're like, no, really? I like him. Like, that can't be right. <laughs> like it's going to work, you know, like those kinds of things where you, you just don't want to face the reality that's been, that's, 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 that's hitting you in your gut. And, but it's real. And it's really good information. Totally. So I'd love to dive into your health tips that you've learned from this
1: process. But before going there, is there anything that you can share as far as like, it's so debilitating going through health issues like this and and trying to solve them. And it can take, I mean, in this case, it was years till you tried all these things. Like, Is there anything that take away from that of how to help people who are going through a similar thing where they just can't figure out what it is.
2: Yeah. I would say number one is intuition for sure. But I would also say that I found really, really uh, uh, dramatic value in watching other people share their stories. So that's where the breast implant illness for me was like solidified was that I I watched probably a hundred different stories through Instagram and through YouTube. And would, And when I say a hundred stories, I mean like there might be 10 stories w- within one because yeah. you're watching the journey, pre-op, post-op six months later, a year later, those kinds of things. And so when you hear someone's words being said that mirror your experience, it really solidifies the intuition. So I would say really seeking and searching and not settling for not having to accept that it's part of aging just happens. things. I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I don't care. I take care of myself better than I ever did. Therefore, I will be healthier, look better and feel better than I ever have, because that's the level that I'm taking care of myself. And that's the level of access I have to information and people. So one thing that I know that I have an advantage on or two things. One, I have the finances. I have the f- flexibility financially to test everything. I also have the resources. So three things, I have the resource of the people. So sometimes, I mean, one of the people that I remember I, I, with the cycle issues, I was struggling and I read in the flow by Elisa Vitti. And then I just wanted to interview her because I was like, Oh, fascinating. And now we're friends and we, yeah. And so then she helped me afterwards with a lot of stuff and we still, we're still in touch. So, you know, I have access and then I have time. So I, I know I have like a lot going for me to, to address these things. And so, you know, perhaps I, perhaps these are some issues that take women five years to figure out, you know? And, and luckily for me, once I really got on track, it took about a year. But I would say just n- to not settle for what you don't feel like you should have to settle for, you know? If you feel in your heart, like somebody's telling you it's just getting older, or like that you just have to accept that things change, and you, know, you don't feel like that should be a reality, then it shouldn't. And you should just keep searching and seeking. But I think that the internet, this is one of those really high values of the internet and especially YouTube and these open platforms, well, pretty open where you can watch people's stories, as long as it's not you know political and religious or whatever the things are that get de- you know uh, or medical, those things get taken away but yeah, just watch people's stories. there's a lot of people that share a lot of things and so just start plugging in keywords and curiosities that you have and start start searching because your your intuition's leading you in the right direction and it might take time, but it's uh There's value in that process. I've also, I look at it now and I think, do I wish I went like going through all this? Of course, I I wish I didn't have to, but I look and I have gained so much value in the process of it by, you know, here we are at process again. The amount of people that I know now because of the seeking that I did with my health. like, I mean, there isn't a biohacker, health guru, author, anyone that a leader in any field that I don't feel like I've had exposure to. And so, um, so it's been very, very cool what's come from it. And and now it's given me an opportunity to share the story to help others. Um, because I really do feel that I really do feel that implants in general, any kind of implant, but especially, you know, breast implants are the most common, probably as far as elective because this applies to all implants. It's just some are more elective than others. Like if you need a hip replacement, so you do, right? Like you want to walk or not. There's some that just, you're just not going to get around it. But you know, for the elective ones, I feel like this is a a good information because I do feel like it's to some degree, a silent epidemic because it's, it's basically your body just expressing. I'm not happy in whatever way is more pre sort of predispositioned for you. That's why there's like a hundred some symptoms, right? Because it's literally just anything that could go wrong is on the list. It's not like, oh, you get this three three things. things." Exactly. It's like, it's just how your body's expressing discomfort and disease.
1: What a journey you've been through. So what would you say of the last year or so have been the top, you could say like top five health tips
2: bio or biohacks what were those like five things for people to take away i think you're onto one with blood sugar i think you're onto one with a glucose monitor so whether you use a continuous or a or a pin prick and do the the little tabs um uh, strips i think those are i think that's a great educational tool i think and in in congruence learning about fasting too and um you know, the benefits of that and what kind of mechanisms you want engaged. Um, like, you know. Do you intermittent like, mat- fast daily? Uh, What's your kind of protocol? My protocol is, and so I've been working with Mindy Pels, who I also interviewed because I'm fascinated by her. And uh, she is an expert in detoxing, which is where I stumbled onto her. But then she's also an expert in fasting and in women's hormones. So there's actually if you're cycling still there's actually a, a real method to it. And so there's two pockets of time in your month where you can fast a lot and go really low carb and then there's two other times in the month where you need to back off and you don't want to do anything too dramatic and especially you don't want to do prolonged fast. So Intermittent fasting is anything under that 24 hour mark. So like your OMAD or your 18 or 16 or down to 12 or 13 hours and then prolonged is the 24 and over. So I actually just did a 36 hour fast the other day and um, I hadn't done one in a couple of years. And it was so much easier because I had worked on my metabolic flexibility through fasting and 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 closing my windows up and getting my body to burn fat for fuel easier. So my, my protocol kind of varies through the month, but generally speaking, it ranges from about, I'd say 13 to 13 to 16 hours at the most with um, probably starting now from now on to do a prolonged fast intermittently throughout like once a month. Quarterly. Yeah, I mean, 24 hours is pretty doable. It's just like eat dinner at four o'clock and then wait till four o'clock the next day. It's it's pretty doable. Yeah. Um, so actually my mom's doing 36 hours right now and she's like, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's uh so there's that so uh blood glucose blood sugar and learning about fasting i think red light's pretty bent, pretty helpful i really believe in that setting circadian rhythms morning and night and also helping your mitochondria helping your skin i believe it helps your skin so you go in front of your juice for? um you can do you can do it for 20 minutes twice a day so when i do it i usually i i've been doing it once just 20 minutes but I probably am better off to even just do 10 minutes twice a day just to get it in and um, help with uh, dopamine, help with um, uh, circadian rhythm, help with parasympathetic, just kind of helping rhythm your body by getting that morning and evening light. I really believe, especially, I don't know if it's just from surgery, but uh, every morning I dry brush and cold shower. So, um, lymphatic drainage has been a really important thing for me, which is why I have like this. I was showing you at the beginning. I have this castor oil pack. It's like so. I've started doing castor oil packs now too. But I would say some some dry brush cold shower is another thing that I've done a lot of. I've been doing that for many months now. And when I stop doing it, I notice. Um, so I think that can be really good. How and long do you cold shower? I cold. I just cold shower until it doesn't feel cold anymore. Okay. it might be one minute. It might be three minutes. I don't really know. It might be five. I I just, I just do it. Whatever you're feeling. Yeah. Just if it doesn't feel cold anymore, I kind of rotate and, you know, get it all over and front, back, underarm, you know, just wherever I can until it just doesn't feel cold anymore. So where are we at there? Um, That's like three or so. I really believe, okay, so I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, And I don't know how into the, um, like, I'm very honest. So I don't know where you fall on this, but, um, but I, I really don't believe in um, vegan or vegetarian at all. I really have, um, I went through my own arc of all of that. I didn't really eat animal meat for a while. And for a while it was like, okay, only fish. And um, honestly, give me all the high fat meat you got because I, I always felt the best on it. I just, I truly, it has to do with humanity. It has to do with feeling bad for the animal, but I I can't get over how I feel. And, um, it, you know, I would say if there's anything, it just feels like the, uh, you know, if you look at, you look at a track record of a vegan or a vegetarian, it's just not, it's just very difficult to sustain that for life. I think there are pretty rare cases where they actually look and feel really good and don't have issues. So um, I would say focusing really hard on high quality meats and fats, very important thing to do and makes you feel much better. I feel so much more energy. I mean, just just, I mean, I was like, I had some meat last night and it was like, I'm like licking up the oil. Like, I just don't care. It's so good and it makes me feel good. So um, so I'd say um, focusing on really high quality meats and fats and making that the center point of all your meals. What else, what else would I say? I and Honestly, strength training. I think strength training is really, really, really beneficial. I ran the Boston Marathon last year and um, did a lot of running. And, um, that probably didn't help my gut health either. Nope. And, um, it just, you know, I don't know what your experiences was with it, but maybe when you're younger, it's, it's a little so bit much bad. for your body, it's so bad for your body. Yeah. And so people want to get healthy and they're like, I went out for a run. I'm like, that's great. I mean, it's better than nothing for sure, but I would actually say walking. Yeah. Let me just even say like, in, like, I feel like I'm giving two for everyone, but strength training and walking. Like, I mean, I know how my, my blood sugar will drop. And like, even just going for a walk, my, I feel like my hormones just like get into harmony and say, thank you. Like this is calming. This is peaceful. This is just enough movement to get the body moving, but not so much that it creates a stressor in the body. You can walk literally as much as you want, but you can't run as much as you want. You can't lift as much as you want, but walking, you can do as much as you want. So I would say, um, so strength training for, for muscles and for, um, there's so much research on there out there and just how valuable having lean muscle masses for the body for so many reasons. So strength training and just even just walking regularly once or twice a day, just go for it take the dog for a walk go for a walk around your neighborhood, whatever, just walk, take the stairs instead of the escalator kind of thing, just walking. So I'd say those, I mean, those, those are not very condensed. I, I feel like i am almost going to mess up if I try and go over them. So oh, those um, are great. So I'd say that's, I think we hit five, um, but I'd say those are some really big pillars for me.
1: Those are wonderful. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up with some rapid fire Q and a, the best advice you've gotten in the past six months.
2: I don't know. God, six months. That doesn't feel like very long. Maybe um, give it a year too. Okay. Like best advice in recent time is to um, trust your intuition. I think I honestly just trust your intuition. I've just, every phase of my life, I feel like I get another increment of like, yes, make sure you trust your intuition. So I'd say, yeah, that's it.
1: A favorite book or podcast, or mentor for growth,
2: especially as you've experienced all of them this last year? Totally. Well, I'd say probably the best book I recommend would be Untethered Soul, I think is a great one. And then uh, as far as growth and like stretching yourself, I love Lex Friedman's podcast. He interviews people about like consciousness and AI and aliens and, you know, all kinds of crazy things out there. And um, I was just listening to one today. So that's the front of mind right now. Three
1: things that you're currently loving could be product, food, anything.
2: Currently loving raw butter. (laughs) Currently loving ancestral meat by this company. I can get it at Whole Foods and it's from forced meat and um, it's the ancestral blend. So it's, it's ground beef, but it has um, it has uh, like heart and liver and um, organ meats in it. So I eat that every week. Um, That's another great one uh, that I'm loving right now. And I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm loving my castor oil pack. It's time to get my liver functioning well and detox and continue to heal the body. So I'm, I'm sure I'm on a new phase of doing castor oil packs. for
1: Favorite words
2: to live by. Back when I was in sixth grade, my teacher had carpe diem on the wall and, um, and I've always felt like that's such a saying for me. It really is to seize the day that's always been there since I was in sixth grade. Uh, Also, I was just saying it today. Um, I was talking to my dad about something and the quote came up and uh, and it's whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And it's a Henry Ford quote and it's just so true. I love that. I feel happiest when? I feel happiest when I'm walking my dogs in the woods or engaging in a really inspiring, intellectual, deep conversation with someone.
1: And lastly, what is your number
2: one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Sunlight. I mean, I am solar- powered. So it's probably good I live in Arizona, but I, I just think that for me, everything from even just like my day, if I'm stuck in a windowless space for something, uh, it just feels like it zaps my energy. So like I have to get sunshine, I have to get outside, I have to have a window. And so I think uh, I think that's one. But then maybe right behind it is like setting the vibe with music. I'm always playing music.
1: Love that. Well, Danica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast in closing. What's next for you
2: next for me is uh, a little bit of summer fun. I don't know exactly when this is coming out, but, um, I've had a a bit of work in the spring, early summer, um, with doing some races, some formula one races and, and, um, various different things. So, um, I'm, I'm taking a trip to Alaska, which I'm stoked about. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to go try Burning Man out for the first time. So nice. I've, got some fun, I've got some fun summer activities planned. That's awesome. Well, Danica, thank you so much. This was
1: such a pleasure, such an honor to have you on today. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you.
2: So good to finally meet you.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.